0: Really, we're so glad you're here. We're starting a brand new series called The Good Life. And uh, I hope that this will be one that will inspire and encourage you. And if you're new to Stevens Creek, um, thanks for coming. I'll tell you, several months ago, I uh, saw a new family sitting over here and shed uh her young son with her during service. and He was real fidgety and antsy and just moving around and and all of that. And about halfway through the message, I looked over there and it was like he was cool and calm as a cucumber. I mean, he was just really engaged. And everything. I I went to her and I said, "Let me. What did you say to to your son to get him to calm down?" And this is a true story. She looked at me. She said, "Well." She said, I reached out and told him, I said, look, you're about to interrupt the pastor. If you keep this up, you're going to interrupt his sermon. And if you don't settle down, he's going to lose his place and he'll have to start it all over again. (laughs) You can't make that one up. (laughs) And so uh, you sure don't want me to have to start this all over again. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Well, uh, we're starting a, a series called The Good Life and when I was a kid, my dad used to say, I'm working extra shifts. I'm, I'm taking on this extra job because son, I want you to have the good life. Now for him, the good life was having a full plate at dinnertime, having a roof over his head and having season tickets to the South Carolina Gamecock football games. You know, uh, he never dreamed about going to Pasadena. That would have been awesome, but um, he did dream other dreams. Now, so... All of us have this picture of the good life. So turn to the next person next to you and say, when I hear the words good life, this is what I think about. You know, here at Steven's Creek Church, when we say the word good life, we think about three pillars. We're thinking, we think about loving God, loving people, and serving the world. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? And the Bible teaches us that we can live the good life, the, God, the life that God wants us to live. So if you have your, uh, your worship guide here, here's the first one. It says, the only path to a good life is a godly life. You can fill in the blanks. The only path to the good life is a godly life. It's when we find ourselves in right relationship with the Lord. So this morning, I want to talk to you about the good life and and what it means to love God. But we're going to use three chairs here to talk about what it means to take that first step in the good life and know what it means to really love the Lord. So if you're sitting in this chair, chair number one. I almost feel like that let's make a deal. You know, they always had to, uh, behind this door, chair number, uh, door number one, two or three. Well, this is chair number one. If you are sitting in this word, um, there's a word for you and you can fill in the blank. There's three blanks here to describe these chairs. This word right here that goes along with chair number one is the word commitment. Now the person sitting in this word that wears that word, this chair that wears that word commitment is that one that is not perfect. Not at all. But they recognize that they need the grace of the Lord, that they need forgiveness, that they need a leader. They need a guide. And they have discovered that Jesus is that leader. He is their guide. They also have a, a heart of generosity. They have a heart of appreciation. They're thankful for what God has given them. They're willing to roll up their sleeves and give back and volunteer and serve um, That's what people, they're fully devoted followers of Jesus. Those people sit in chair number one. Okay? This is chair number two. Now, if chair number two has a word, and this word is compromise. Okay? This word is compromise. What that means is... That maybe uh, they 've had this desire to be in chair number one, but for whatever reason they 've drifted they 've fallen away. It could be that they grew up in a chair number one family, but yet when they went off to college uh, they slid back to chair they slid down to chair number two. could be that they uh in chair number one, they moved away from um, their hometown and they started living in a new city, never got really connected to church and they just kind of slid into chair number two. Could be when they started dating this person or that person. They just slid into chair number two. Could have been some kind of life circumstance or situation. Something that, that caused them just to slide. They slid down the path to chair number two. Now here's chair number three. This person is, is a cool guy, nice guy. He's just kind of like chilling. He is like complacent. Doesn't have any desire for spiritual life. He's just hanging out. And when he thinks about God and Jesus and all that, he's kind of thinking, well, maybe I'll just roll the dice. Maybe it'll fall my way when the time comes. He's just hanging out. He's just complacent about that. He's really not really thought a lot about his spiritual life and his relationship with the Lord. So let's think about these three chairs. And and really, as we go through this message, we're going to try to figure out which seat are we going to sit in. And specifically, I want to talk to you about how uh, what chair you're sitting in and then how that relates to four things, how that relates to God, how that relates to the Bible, how that relates to the church and how that relates to your family, okay? So when we start thinking about this person sitting uh, in these chairs, chair number one, chair number two or chair number three, you know, what happens? Do they automatically pass that down to the next generation? Or what happens? How does a person move from this chair to this chair to this chair? How do you do that? Well, there, when you open up the pages of the Bible, there are many stories that represent people in each of these groups. In fact, we'll start off talking about uh, the story of Joshua. Now, Joshua was the assistant to Moses. Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt. You know, you may have heard the story, you know, parted the Red Sea, uh, uh, led them through the wilderness for 40 years. And they got to the edge of the Jordan. Moses died and said, Joshua, you're in charge. Joshua, you need to lead the children of Israel over into the promised land. And so Joshua leads the children of Israel into the promised land. As he is leading them there, he tells these people, okay, this is your land. I need you to occupy this land. I need you to take charge. I need you to uh, eliminate the enemies, eradicate the enemies. This is your land. God has given you this land. Take it. So Joshua is a chair one kind of a leader. In fact... He he said these words, he said, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Chair one, serve the Lord with all faithfulness. Chair one, throw away the gods of your ancestors, get the junk out of your life. We're in 21 days of prayer. And one of the things we say during this season is God, get the junk out of our lives so that we can be filled with the Holy spirit. Like Sarah said church opens tomorrow at 6 a.m. We're going to have a service at 7 and, and that's our, that's our flow in every January and every August. We're going to throw away the gods of our ancestors worshiped and we are going uh, to serve the Lord. Now, if this does not, uh, is not something you want to do. I want you to come next verse. I want you to choose for yourselves this day whom you'll serve. And then he just makes this bold statement. He said, but As for me and my household, we're going to sit in chair one. We are going to serve the Lord. So Joshua made it very clear. We are chair one kind of people. And so he poured this into his leaders, the elders of the people. So what happens Joshua had seen all the miracles. He had seen the sea, Red Sea parted, he he saw the miracles of the manna, all those things that that uh in that story. He he witnessed that. And then he poured into his elders. We go over a couple of pages to the book of Judges. They're already settled in the Israel in the land of Israel. Listen, Listen to this verse. After Joshua had dismissed the Israelites, they went to take possession of the land. Each went to his own inheritance. The people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him, who had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. These folks, they had seen it. They've seen it, they believed it, and everything else. But, interesting. Now, this is verse 7, okay? Verse 7 here. What happens when you drop down to verse 10? Interesting. After that, verse 10. That whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors. In other words, they passed away. Another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Somehow in that process, they went from being a chair one group of people. They skipped over this and they went to a chair three group of people. They knew neither the Lord nor what he had done to Israel. How does that happen? How does one generation um, slide from being a chair one down to a to the next generation? Don't even know the Lord or does not did not even know the stories of what God had done. Well, you don't have to just look in the Old Testament for stories of those monumental slides from chair one to chair three. You know, we can look in our own community. We can look at our own church. We can look at our own lives. How many times have we been uh, at in one of these chairs? Maybe we're chair one. And then we find ourselves sliding down to chair two. Or maybe we're in chair two and find us sliding down to chair three. We don't have to look for other stories of people's lives. We can look, look at our own lives. Because there can be that drift factor. That drift factor. Well, I want to talk to you about what chair you're sitting in as it relates to four things, God, the Bible, the church, and your family. First of all, let's talk about God. Who is the leader of your life? If you are in chair one, you would say, uh, Jesus, uh, is the leader of my life. God is in this. He is the CEO of my life. He is the leader. He is the Lord of my life. Jesus came to give us life. And so that we can have it. And have it more abundantly. We get that. We own that. That is who we are. That is us. We're there. And so we we think about God. As the Lord. Um, and there's no one else. He is number one. In our priority list. So. We're there. What about chair two? How does chair two people think about God? Well, so many times chair two people come because chair one people have slid into here. So here's the problem. God's in this seat and this seat is crowded because we're sitting in here and along with God. And there's this conflict going on because it's God and me. God is the leader here, but here I'm trying to push God aside and I want to be in charge. Okay, I want you to think about this. So many times this happens when our ego comes up, right? How do you spell ego? E-G-O, right? What does that stand for? When you edge God out, okay? Okay. You edge God out of your life. And so here you are, you're at a place of compromise. And the Bible clearly says no one can serve two masters. They're going to love the one or hate the other or vice versa. You know, and so there's this conflict going on. How does this person sitting in chair three relate to God? Well, it's not a thing. They just don't think about God. Because they're too busy because chair three people, it's all about me. When I sit in chair three, I am in charge. I'm going to make my own decisions. I'm going to do this because it feels good to me. It is right for me. It is all about what I want and what I want to do and what I'm going to do. It is all about me. So let's think about that. So when chair one person thinks about a connection with God. A chair one person person describes this connection with God as a relationship. It's Jesus living inside of us. It's it's breaking down the walls or the barriers that that kept us away from God. And we're one with him. We are connected with God. It's a relationship. It it is something um, that has been done for us. We are in right relationship. We are in communication with him and so forth. What about chair two people? How do they view God. They view God and this God stuff as religion. This is about relationship. This is about religion. It's about those do's and those don'ts. It's about coming to church because it's your duty to do this. And, and you see everything as this, uh, ritual, this religious stuff that you've got to do. And, um, Jesus had some of the harshest words for chair two people. He said to chair two people, he said, you look the part on the outside. But on the inside, you don't look the part. On the inside, you're far from God. And Jesus came and just really focused on chair two people said, I I don't like this at all. It's not good. In fact, he put the harshest words. Label on, on chair two people. And it's the word hypocrite. He said, no. He said, when you look one thing on the outside and you're different on the inside and you're trying to live that lie, that's not a good deal. It's a hypocrite. So we're looking at relationship. We're looking at um, religion. What's the, the, the third thing? The chair three people. They look at God as it's kind of rebellion they just said Nah, i don't need this i got my own stuff I, yeah leave me alone in fact oftentimes chair three people just turn in and run the other way we probably don't have a lot of chair three people here maybe we have a few but most times chair people are just running the other way they're trying to get away and maybe that has been you. Maybe you have been running and you just happen to show up here because it's 2018 and you never, never thought you'd be here. But God has you here. And, and the chair three people, I'm, I want to say, man, come back next week. Come back, seriously, come back next week. And the Stevens Creek is a place where chair three people are so welcome. Okay? So we're thinking about how these three chairs represent uh, uh, our lives and how we represent, uh, these four things. First of all, God, how does a, uh, chair, uh, person, a chair, one person look at the Bible chair, one person looks at the Bible and they say, I am going to submit to the Bible. I'm going to submit to the Bible. God, this is your word. I'm going to use this word as wisdom and insight. And I, I I believe that this is your word and I'm going to open up the pages of the Bible. And I'm going to say, word of God, speak to me, word of God, speak to me. And and you read that and you just uh, say, fill up my heart. Well, how does chair two people look at the Bible? They respect the Bible. A chair two person respects the Bible. Uh, they think it's a good book and they probably think it's the best book. In fact, it's just above Dr. Phil and Oprah. I mean, Dr. Phil and Oprah, they, they're, they're up there and just above that, chair two said, yep, the Bible's a little bit better than Oprah and just a little bit better than Dr. Phil. It has a lot of good wisdom. So how does a chair three person view the Bible? Well, I've, they own one. They got a Bible. In fact, they have a Bible and it's a a lot of times share three people have a big Bible and it's on the coffee table. At least when I was growing up, it was on the coffee table because they used to have door to door Bible salesmen. They don't do this anymore. They'd knock on your door and put a guilt trip on you. Said you need to buy my Bible. And so we did that. We bought it. But, you know, we didn't really read that Bible when I was growing up, but we did use it for some very valuable things like like um, the rose from my aunt's wedding. You know, you put it in the Bible and you press it down and you dry it out. Or maybe the second grade uh, leaf project. You get that leaf and you put it in there. Or maybe the junior, senior prom flower. And it became a good thing uh, to help uh, process dried flowers. It was the Bible. It was good for that. And so a chair three person owns a Bible. Here's the point I'm trying to make. Your view of the Bible is going to shape... Your view of every part of your life. Your view of the Bible is going to shape your view of every part of your life. You tell me what you think when it comes to the Bible. And then I'm going to tell you what chair you're sitting in when it comes to the church. So chair one people, they see the church as a supernatural community Where God moves and God changes people's lives. Chair one people. What's the the church? It's a supernatural community where God changes lives. They don't go to church because they understand that they are the church. That they're the called out ones. They're the ones that have been called out and released into this community. They're the church. It's a community of, of of imperfect messed up people who have come together and they have found the grace of the Lord. They're not perfect. They're forgiven. That's the church. At church they find hope. They find peace. As in church, they find relationships. They get in small group. They learn how to work out their salvation with fear and trembling. It's the church. And and they love the church. Now, chair two people they have an opinion of the church too. It's a club. And they like to show up at the club. This club is important to them because it's in this club that they do find networking opportunities. They find networking. You know, they, they find some uh, good uh, social connections. They, they find some business um, uh, folks to hang out with. They, they learn and they use this as a networking opportunity to build their lives and to build their business. Sometimes people use the church as a, as a place to find a relationship. You know, a, a date, you know, a, a wife or a husband. And I'm saying that's a pretty good place to look. And so if you're here and, um, and you're looking for a spouse, just raise your hand. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Then look around and see. But when church is only that, it's only a dating service. It's only a networking opportunity. It's not living up its, its, its full potential. And so chair two people look at the church as a club. But what about chair three people? What do chair three people consider the church? Chair three people, people who sit in this chair. They see church as a custom. Oh, and they love their customs. I'm telling you, Christmas Eve is a custom. Easter's a custom. Mother's Day is a custom. And they gather and I'm telling you, they fill this place up on Christmas Eve. They do. And, and I am glad to have it. And if you're a customary Christian, come on. This, we got some services in Easter that we're going to present. And I it's kind of funny because you know this place uh overflows uh at Christmas. And um I was out in the atrium of after our Christmas service or in between services and this guy came and said, "Man, that was awesome. That was an awesome show. I'm telling you, you could charge $100 a ticket for that show." <laughs> I should have said, "Well, give me your money." <laughs> but that's what they do. They, they look at it the creek as is, is a good holiday show. That's fine. I would rather them to be uh, in our seats at this show than any other place in town. Okay. Cause I have to believe that the spirit of God is going to be softening their hearts and preparing them. We don't hate people who sit in, in chair three. We love them. And we will do whatever we can to get these people to take their next step. Chair three people are not our enemies. Chair three people are our friends. Our family members. We love chair three people and we want the best for chair three people. And we are not better than them. It is like one beggar telling another beggar where to get the bread. You got to see it that way. So we are not warring factions here. I'm just helping you to understand, to see possibly where you fit in this process. So what about family? All of us love our family. Everyone, chair one, chair two, and chair three, we all love our family, right? So when chair one thinks about his family, he says, oh, I pray that God gives me godly kids. That's my prayer. I want godly kids. I want my kids to, to, to follow in the ways of the Lord. From when they were born, all throughout the day, we prayed over our children, said, God, let them have tender hearts. Let them be filled with your presence. Let them, uh, God, experience what we have. You know, that's what our goal was. Well, what is the chair two folks? What, what do they want when they're kids? They, they love their kids. Just like chair one loves their kids. But what's their goal? Chair two people, they want good kids. I want you to be a good boy. I want you to be a good girl. I want you to be respectable. I want you to uh, be nice to, uh, to your teachers. I want you to stay out of trouble. I want you to be a good boy. And so chair one wants godly kids, chair two people want good kids, chair three people want successful kids. They want them to be in the best schools, they want them uh, have to have the best, everything is about what they can own, what they can possess, the experiences, everything is, is rooted and grounded on what's happening here on this earth. They're just focused and they see the ultimate thing on this earth as success. And so they are saying, we're going after that. And I need you to be a successful kid because that's how you know you win. So we look at these three different chairs and then we ask ourselves the question, where do we fit in? What chair are we sitting in today? Are you in in chair one? Have you slid down to chair two? Or have you found yourself over here in chair number three? Okay. I would say to those that God has a word for all of us here. Those in chair one, he would say to you, today is a day to recommit your life. And what I'm saying is, this is the beginning of 2018. And that we come and say, God, lead me and guide me this year. God, give me wisdom and I am committing that this year I am serving you. I am going after you. You are the priority of my life. I am going after you, Lord. And so I am going to recommit my life to you. What is he saying to those in chair two? He's saying, repent, repent. Now, so many times we say that word and, and that's a, we have this negative vibe going on with that word, but that's not negative at all. Repent just simply means you turn around and you go in a different direction. I want you to take a different path. Man, the path you're on is leading you down the wrong way and you don't need to be on that path. Turn around. And to those in chair three, what am I saying? I want you to receive the love of the Lord. Just receive it today. You may not know this, but God loves you and God has a plan for your life. And that you're not here by accident, but you're here because... God brought you here through the invitation of a kind-hearted friend or a family member. Or he ordered your footsteps to drive by this place or land on our website. But for whatever reason you're here, and I want you to take your next step. Now, so many times, practically, you would think if you're sitting in chair three, your next step is chair two. But it's not to the chair three people, I don't want you to slide up to chair two. In fact, God has some of the harshest words to folks in chair two. In fact, he said, he called them the word lukewarm. And to those people who were lukewarm, the book of revelation said, I will spew them out of my mouth. So we had some harsh words to people who were lukewarm. So I am not trying to get people who are sitting in, in this comfort zone of chair three to slide up. I, don't want, I want you to leapfrog over to chair one today. I want you to say, God, I am yours. I'm committing my life. I'm committing this year to you. So we have three chairs here. Which one are you sitting in? And once you've determined that, what's your next step? Because you have a next step. And today I'm encouraging you to step out and take it. Take it. Well, we're going to give a a moment for reflection and a time of prayer. And I just want you to think about that. What's your next step? We're not here to, to put a lot of pressure on you. We're not here to twist your arms, but we want you to think about this. God has given you your mind. He's given you the ability to reason. Use it. But he's also given you your heart. And he wants this experience to come from your heart. You've got to move the, uh, and as far as your relationship with God, you've got to move it from your head knowledge 18 inches south, okay? You got to move down to your heart because that's what it's about. Is Jesus living in your heart. Well, it's time for us to, to make that decision. It's time for us to pray. Let's bow our heads. Father, in this uh, this special moment we have here, there are people that are thinking religious thoughts and church thoughts and spiritual thoughts. Maybe for the first time all week. It's my prayer that those thoughts would be the seed that would lead to an action. And I pray, first of all, for people in chair one. I pray, God, that as they start this 2018, that your blessings and your favor would rest upon these fully devoted followers. I pray, God, that you would give them peace. And that you, they would be able to receive the joy of the Lord. That this would be a joyous time, a joyous year. I pray, Father, that you would cover them with your blessing. That your favor would uh, go before them. That your protection would be on them. That there's no weapon that's formed against them would prosper. That all those that rise up against them would fall. I pray that your favor and your blessing would be upon their family. Your favor and blessing would be upon their career. God, that they would start to grow their career like never before. I pray, Father, that you would anoint them for the work that you've called them to. So we bless you. So just receive that. If you're in chair one, say, God, I receive those blessings. I receive those blessings in Jesus name. Now, father, today I am praying for those in chair two. Oh Lord, these folks, they're in a struggle right now. It's like there's a war going on inside of them. Those things they want to do, they don't do those things they hate doing. That's what they end up doing. God, I pray that this battle raging inside of them, God, uh, would cease. I pray that this day, that they would turn and they'd walk in a new path and say, Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. Jesus, save me. Father, let repentance be the word on their mouth. Now, Father, I pray for those in chair three and we at stevens creek love people in chair three that's why we exist and so father i just pray that you would allow people in chair three to understand our heart here and to be open to receive your word i pray god that you'd give them the ability to be back here next week and lord if they're taking that step to leap frog over to chair one let this be the day they say this prayer say jesus save me forgive me for all my sins pray this prayer say make me into the kind of person that you would have me to be i give you my life and father as they pray this prayer i ask that your grace would be extended to them and lord thank you for this day we all pray this in the strong name of jesus and everybody said amen god bless you